I'm reading from the book of Job. I, don't, I won't ask you to stand with me this morning. I'm doing a considerable amount of reading this morning. We will spend a lot of time in this 28th chapter and in the 27th some in there, even a little bit in some other chapters in Job, just to share with you this story this morning. So if you'll just turn with me in your Bibles. In Job chapter 28, and I want to begin reading in verse number 1. Uh, there is much in the book of Job where we have done a lot of preaching. I don't know that I've ever preached from this chapter today, uh, but this is where I want to try to remain for the entirety of the message is in these verses and this parable that Job is giving and that he begins speaking. Really, the parable, his speaking begins in chapter 26 and goes through chapter 31. The parable begins in chapter 27 through chapter 31. I'll not... Uh, deal with every single detail of it, it's, that's too much for a Sunday morning message, but <clears throat> I want to get to the heart of the parable and share with you what the Lord has given me concerning these verses. Job 28 and 1, the word of the Lord says, Surely there is a vein for the silver and a place for gold where they find it. Iron is taken out of the earth and brass is molten out of the stone he setteth an end to the darkness, and searcheth out all perfection, the stones of darkness and the shadow of death. The flood breaketh out from the inhabitant, even the waters forgotten of the foot. They are dried up, they are gone away from men. As for the earth, out of it, are, out of it cometh bread, and under it is turned up as it were fire. The stones of it are the place of sapphires, and it hath dust of gold. There is a path which no fowl knoweth, and which the vulture's eye hath not seen. The lion's whelps have not trodden it, nor the fierce lion passed by it. He putteth forth his hand upon the rock, and he overturneth the mountains by the roots. He cutteth out the rivers among the rocks, and his eye seeth every precious thing. He bindeth the floods from overflowing, and the thing that is hid bringeth he forth to light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, it is not in me, and the sea saith, it is not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it, and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies." The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, neither shall it be valued with pure gold. When then cometh, whence then cometh wisdom, and where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living, and kept close from the fowls of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard the fame thereof with our ears. God understandeth the way thereof, and he knoweth the place thereof. For he looketh to the ends of the earth, and seeth under the whole heaven. Our text this morning is especially taken from the phrase in verse number 7, where the word of the Lord says, 
There is a path which no fowl knoweth. Verse 21 says of this same path, Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living and kept closed from the fowls of the air. But verse 23 said, God understandeth the way thereof. I'm preaching this morning on that phrase, There is a path. Now Job is speaking in a parable in chapters 27 through 31. This is reading that you cannot breeze through as if it were the Reader's Digest. You'll miss all of the hidden meanings that are contained. There are riches to be mined out of these chapters of the Word of the Lord. And it is a parable that he declares to his friends. And it is to show them that he is right before God and that has he has no specific unconfessed sin in his life that has resulted in the manifold hardships that have been recorded in his life in the book of Job. I'll not take time to go back and refine and regurgitate and tell again the story of Job, but he was a great man, and all of Satan came against him. And the Lord gave leeway to a degree for Satan to come against him, but God always set the boundary of how far the devil could go. He lost his cattle, he lost his oxen, he lost all of his livestock, he lost all of his employees except for a handful that came to report what had happened. They had storms come against them, enemies come against them. His children died in a storm at their house while they were eating and drinking. His body was stricken with boils from the top of his head to the sole of his foot. He could find no place of a solace, no place of uh, of a uh, of a relief for him. His wife looked at him as a sack of bones, nothing keeping him alive except the sheer will of God, and said, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die, Job. She, it, she, and he said, You talk like a foolish woman. Said that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Three of his very best friends come to him, and the Bible says they were wise men. These were not big uh, dummies that came to just afflict him or give him trouble. But they again and again said, Job, surely you've sinned. You've done something horrible to bring the judgment of the Almighty on your life. And he said, I know I have not. said, I've wept and I've prayed. In chapter 1, God said Job was not fooling. He said that Job was a righteous man that feared the Lord and eschewed evil. And that he was the greatest man of all of the East. And that he, re- that he gave offerings in the Lord continually. And he prayed for forgiveness to God. And he prayed for his family. And he prayed for his friends. But Job did not, because he lived before God, it did not exempt him from hard times in his life. And while he tells them this parable, he's trying to enforce to them or remind them that there is no specific unconfessed sin in his life that has resulted in his hardship. The parable that he gives is really defined in verse 7 where he says there is a path. These people say there's no way God would let this come in your life unless it's as a way of judgment. And he says there's a path. There is a way. There is something you men don't understand that God is doing in my life. I don't understand it. I can't see it. I can't make it all out. I cannot identify it. But there is a path. There is a way. He describes the path that a man takes before God when he is right with God and goes through hard times. It is the path of the righteous man who is tested in his faith. 
Psalms 23 and 3 said, He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Psalm 25 and 10 said, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His commandment and His testimonies. Proverbs 2 and 9 talks about that path. Then thou shalt understand righteousness and judgment and equity. Yea, every good path. Proverbs 2 and 20, continuing in the past, says that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. Isaiah 26 and 7, the way of the just is uprightness. Thou most upright doth weigh the path of the just. Isaiah 42 and 16, he says, And I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known, that they have not known. I will make the darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. Job came to understand that verse that God would take him down paths he had not known, that he had not seen, that he could not understand, but God would not forsake him down those hidden paths. Amen. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Most of you could quote these verses. Trust Him the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. There is a path. That's the message this morning. There is a path. And I want to tell you three things about that path. And then a few things about those three things. I want to tell you this morning about this path. That it is a hidden path. It is a solitary path. And it is a protected path. This path is a hidden path. A solitary path. And a protected path. It is a hidden path today. Verse number 7 says there is a path which no fowl knoweth, which the vulture's eye hath not seen. He said it cannot be seen from a bird's eye view. You can't fly over this path, give a general survey, and understand everything about it. Unless you have walked it yourself, you'll never understand. From the outside looking in, it doesn't make sense. You don't understand it. You're looking at this thing from a bird's eye view. You're like flying over it, but I'm not flying at a bird's eye view. I'm down in the dirt where it is. I'm in the middle of this thing. I'm walking it. I'm telling you boys, there's a path. You cannot see it from up above, but I am in the dirt where it is. There is a path. The birds cannot see. It is hidden in its visibility. Verse number one, he says, surely there is a vein for the silver and a place for the gold where they find, not F-I-N-D, find but where they find F-I-N-E it. That is where they refine the gold, where they purify the gold and the silver. This path is not seen by the natural eye. He said it's like a vein. That is a going out or a mine. He describes this path as an underground path, a secret passageway. The keen eye of the fowl cannot see it. The natural man cannot discern it. It is hidden unto him. It's hidden in its visibility. It's like entering that tabernacle in the wilderness. The Bible talks about how to the outsider it appeared to be nothing but badger skins making a tent. But on the inside it was filled with gold and with beauty and with power and with splendor and with the glory of God. 
to the world, the righteous path walking before God seems to be nothing. It looks mundane. It seems pointless. It seems without purpose. Oh, but if you know the Lord today, and if you're walking with God, on the inside there's the glory. On the inside there is power that shines unto the believer. On the outside of the cave, it just looks like a hole in the ground. But on the inside, that's where the jewels are found. That's where the gold is. That's where the silver is. Oh, thank God. You may say on the outside, I don't want to go into that dark place. Job was in a dark place. I don't want to go into that vein, that uh, that cave, that hole in the ground, that unseen path. But if that's the path God has chosen for your life, I'm telling you there is silver, there is gold, there is glory. There are jewels of splendor on the inside. I'm glad that I'm in the way, the glory land way. I'd say to you today, listen to the call, the gospel call today and get in the glory land way. There is a path. It's hidden in its visibility. The world says I don't see it and I don't understand it. But I am a testimony this morning that it is the best way to live and the only way to die. I'm thankful He opened my blinded eyes that day and let me see God's way is best. His will is best. His desire, His design, His plan for my life is right. And I want what God wants for my life. They couldn't see it in Job and many cannot see it in you and in me. It's a hidden path in its visibility. Of the world to the world, it is hidden in its virtue. It is the path of righteousness. It is the path pleasing to God. Job's friend said you wouldn't be in this path if you weren't doing something wrong. But Job said the only reason I've survived this path is because I'm doing what is right. If I had been doing wrong, this path would have consumed me. If I had been a sinner, this path would have overwhelmed me. The only way I've survived is because I'm doing right. The only way I've been able to come through this thing is by the help of God. I do not know what others do who do not go to Calvary as I do. But there's a healing, cleansing stream that flows that only God's redeemed can know. I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary. You know how I make it from day to day? I make it by grace. I make it by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saved by Him. I am kept by Him. I am walking with Him. I'm in love with my Savior and He is in love with me. There is virtue in this path. The world does not seem to know what pleases God, but God knows this path. Look at verse 23 of this chapter. The Bible says, God understandeth the way thereof. Did you know He knows what you're going through? He understands where you are. He understands the way that you're walking. Job's friends didn't understand what it felt like for those boils on his arms and his legs and the sole of his foot and even the crown of his head to be so painful. They didn't understand what it is like to take an old broken piece of pottery and scrape off of his head. Blisters the likes of which you and I would have never wanted to touch. They didn't really understand what it was like to gather around ten little graves and say farewell in this world to all of their children at the same time. They couldn't understand what it was like for Job to go from being the richest man in town to the poorest man in town. In a matter of a few verses that's taking place here, these friends, I don't know if they were married or not, but if they were married or if they were not married, they didn't know what it was like to have all of this happen and then their wife look at 
them and say, I would to God you'd just give up and die. Just curse God and die. No encouragement coming. Her heart was broken as sure as Job's was. No encouragement coming from her. Just give up Job and die is what she says to him. I can't take this anymore. Job knew where it was. Oh, but when Eliphaz couldn't understand, when the friends of Job, all three of them, Timnath, all of them couldn't understand. Bildad couldn't understand that. Oh, he said, the Lord understands what I'm going through. He knows the place thereof in verse 23. In verse 27, he said, then did he see it and declare it and he prepared it. Yea, and searched it out. Job said, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't know where this path is leading. I don't understand what's happening. What I know is God made this road. And he knows what's around the next bend. He knows what's down around the next corner. He knows how this thing's going to turn out. He saw it. He declared it. He set it up. He designed it. He searched it out. And under man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. And depart from evil is understanding. In other words, if I want to make it down this road, if this way does not consume me, I've just got to learn to lean on Christ. I've got to learn to lean on the Lord. He's the only hope I have. I'm surviving this difficult road that I'm on. What an amazing parable this is. In chapter 27, Job describes this path of testing before what we read here this morning. He describes this path of testing, my friend, and he says in that chapter that if a sinner traveled this same road, he would be consumed. It would be too much. He said God had cast upon him and not spare. He would fain flee out of his hand. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. He couldn't make it if a sinner tried to walk this road. Only God's redeemed or qualified to walk in this path that I am on. Oh, praise the Lord. Job 8.13 said, So are the paths of all that forget God and the hypocrites' hope shall perish. Oh, but his hope is in the Lord. It's a hidden path in its visibility and its virtue. It's hidden in its value. Verse number 16, the Bible says, It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir that, uh, and with the precious onyx or with the sapphire the gold and the crystal cannot equal it and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold no mention shall be made of coral or of pearls for the price of wisdom is above rubies the topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it neither shall it be valued with pure gold the hidden path oh how the value of this path is hidden it cannot be be valued. How are you going to measure the value of it? This path is worth more than silver or gold. God is mining in Job's life. What if this morning I could tell you that I know where you could get a gold mine, a silver mine, if you just go and take control of it, if you just dig in the ground, if I could take you to the place and say right there's the hole, right there's the vein, right there is the secret path, and now you can't see it, but it goes up under the ground 
down from here and if you'll just follow that vein, follow that path, there is gold, there is silver. My friend, every corporation in the world, if I could have any way of substantiating that, would pay large sums of money speculatively to try to dig in and see if they could find something in that drilling. We're drilling holes in the ground all over the world today looking for oil, looking for gold, looking for silver, looking for diamonds, looking for jewels. And God says, there is a vein where the silver is found. There is a vein where the gold is found. There is a secret path. You can't see it with your eyes. God says, I know where it is. If you'll follow me, I'll take you down that road. It's worth more than silver. It's worth more than gold. It's worth more than oil. It's worth more than iron. It's worth more than copper. It's worth more than zinc. It's worth more than jewels. It's worth more than more than rubies. You know why? Because it is not what you see that makes me a king. It is treasures unseen. Lay not up treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay your treasures up in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. Oh, bless His name. I'm saying there is value in living for God that exceeds everything that this world has to offer. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather it be be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to His holy name than to be a king of a vast domain. Oh, my friend, praise God. I'd rather just have Jesus. The value of it is more than silver or gold or iron and brass. He said in verse number 1, He said there's a vein for the silver. There's a place for the gold where they find it. Iron is taken out of the earth. Brass is molten out of the stone. This path is worth more than those things. God is mining in Job's life. Are you listening to me? God is mining in Job's life. I want to say it one more time because I'm going to use a play on words in just a moment. God is mining in Job's life. And if you were on the outside looking in, if you were with a bird's eye view like he talked about his friends, you would think Job was mining out out of Job's life. God was mining out of Job's life. But God was not mining out of Job's life. What do you mean? He took away his oxen. He took away his cattle. He took away his livestock. He took away his service. He took away his health. He took away all of his wealth. He took away his security. He took away everything. God's mining out of Job's life. Oh no. Job said you fellows hadn't seen it. There's a vein somewhere. There's a, there is a path somewhere. There is a gold mine in this Somewhere. It may look like God's stripping me down and making a pauper out of me, but I haven't struck gold yet. And I'm going to. There is a vein in this. There's a path. And God is not mining out my life. He's mining in my life. And He's going to put something in me and in my path and in my life that is worth more than everything He's took away. That is of greater value than everything that I've lost. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. And blessed be the name of the Lord. God's not mining out of Job's life. He's mining in Job's life. There is hidden silver, hidden gold, hidden iron, hidden brass in Job's life that God has not yet revealed, but He will reveal it as He travels down this path. It is a hidden path in its visibility, virtue, value. It's hidden in its victory. Job faces battles, losses, and defeats. 
But if he can locate the hidden path, there is victory in that. Verse number 9, the Bible says, He putteth forth His hand upon the rock. That is, God puts forth His hand upon the rock. He overturneth the mountains by its roots. He said, I'm not serving some little bitty Jesus. I'm not playing some tiddly wink game of spiritual uh, of spiritual value, uh, some spiritual uh, child's play of some kind. I'm serving a God that's so powerful. He reaches out there, finds a mountain, plucks it up by its roots, and turns it upside down. And if he can do that, he can take care of what's going on in my life. There is victory in this path. He said, he cutteth out the rivers among the rocks, and his eyes seeth every precious thing. Oh, I can't see what's up under the mountain. I can't see where the silver vein, the gold vein is, but he can reach down and just pluck the mountain up by the roots, look down inside where the rivers float up underground. He can pick out every jewel, every vein of silver, every trail of gold. Are you getting the idea? We're mining this morning in an underground path where God has set for Job to go. And he said, God knows what's under the mountain before I ever went underground before my life ever went into a dark place. I went so low that I went below the bottom, but when I got below the bottom, I found out I was in a silver vein, a gold vein. I found out I found a gold mine. I found a treasure when I met Jesus. And the world thinks I've gone underground. Fact of the matter is, I'm down here mining up gold, pulling out jewels, finding things they should never know of the bird's eye view. You're going to have to get in the dirt, my friend, and be willing to dig with God. God is in control. He can turn upside down and downside up. He can bring precious things out of chaotic events. Job's life is a chaotic scene. It is a chaotic event after chaotic event after chaotic event. But he said, that's no problem to God. He just reached down there and grabbed that mountain and I said, oh Lord, God, I can't stand a mountain that's too big for me to climb. He said, ain't nothing to him. He just reached down, plucked it up by the root and turned it upside down. That's how big God is. If we'll learn to lean on Him, I'm glad He'll row you over the tide. I mean, friend, thank God. There has never been a prayer that I prayed that He couldn't answer. Psalm 1611, He said, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In Thy presence is the fullness of joy. At Thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. There is victory in the path of the Lord Jesus. It's not seen to the world, but it is seen by those who travel. Down this road. There is a path. It's a hidden path. Secondly this morning. It is a solitary path. It's a solitary path. Now I mean this in several, way, several ways. The path itself is solitary. He said there. Verse 7. There is a path. That's singular. One path. There is a path, not many paths. There are not many ways to do what God wants you to do. If you will go God's way, you'll not have your selection of multiple options. There will not be a multiple choice exam for you to select what you would prefer. Amen, friend. If you will go God's way, my friend, there are no two ways about it. You cannot walk two paths at once. You cannot walk with God and with the world. You cannot serve God and mammon. It is a solitary path. There is one way to walk with God and that is to walk with God. 
There is a, it is a solitary path. The path itself is solitary. But I want to tell you the persons in the path are solitary. The person is solitary. In other words, you will oftentimes have to walk this path alone. You will have to walk it alone at times. No family, no friends could go down this unseen path with Job. He took away his children. He took away his friends. He took away his employees. He took away his livestock. And his own wife even turned against him. And when Job got in the place where he was in our text this morning... There was nobody with him but God. There will be some times in your life where the path will get so tight, where the way will get so tight, so narrow, that the only people that can go those places in your life is you and God. There will be some days when everything and everybody else will be cut off from you and you will have to go either alone or go with God. And I choose to go with God. There is a path. It was just Job and God. It was the same with our Lord at Calvary this morning. How when Jesus went to Calvary, there came a time when all of his disciples forsook him and fled. His faithful friend betrayed him. My friend, his best disciple denied him three times and cursed and swore that he had never known the Lord. Everybody turned against him. How the Jews cried, Crucify, let his blood be on us and upon our children. But he did not. God quit or cry for deliverance and to be taken off his path but he set his face as a flint towards Jerusalem he bore up under his cross he bore the cross despised the shame and plowed through for us went all the way to Calvary's rugged hill and there on the mountain called the skull he gave up his life for you and for me and he said if you'll be my disciple you'll have to deny yourself take up your cross and follow Jesus in Mark 8.34 you'll have to walk this lonesome road and no one can walk it for you before we began the service I was singing a little bit of that you're going to have to walk this lonesome road you're going to have to walk 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 this lonesome road and some of y'all remembers that that's only about 60 years old some of y'all remembers that and brother John looked at me like I guess he's showing off his bass singing skills and I kind of was but the other part was I was thinking about this part of the message. You're going to have to walk it. Nobody else can walk it for you. You'll have to walk the lonesome road yourself. You see the crowd travels the broad way. Jesus said there is a broad gate that leads unto destruction. And he said a broad way. Many there be which go in thereat. But he said the path to eternal life is straight and narrow. He called it in verse number one a vein. That is it's as if it were a mine of silver of gold. It's narrow it's hard to enter it's like threading that needle it's like the camel going through the eye of a needle the path is in a vein a mine or a cave and it's tight getting through there you may have to squeeze through it alone I wish Brother Randy were with us this morning for a number of reasons one of which is that he was with me when we were in West Virginia I was preaching in the Blue Ridge Mountains right there at the edge of the Blue Ridge Parkway Buddy, I'm talking about less than a half a mile from where you go up there and get on that clover leaf, pay you $20 or whatever it is to be able to ride up that Blue Ridge Parkway in West Virginia at the Virginia-West Virginia line. A half a mile from there at a church across the street uh, across the uh, street from a river that flowed through. And I mean, they had enough trout. You could go out there and catch them with your bare hands. And uh, the, the preacher's boy killed four black bears. He's eight years old. He killed four black bears last year himself. Four of them himself. They live right up in the mountains. I'm 
telling you, it's a whole different world. We saw black bears and turkeys. You could see, I mean, the fish jumping out the river. Yeah, I'd never seen nothing like it in my life. One of the prettiest places I've ever been. I couldn't get Randy to pay attention to nothing the whole time I was there. Y'all know how he is about hunting and fishing. I mean, look yonder, look yonder, look yonder, look yonder. I said, I can't look yonder. I got to look at the road because these winding mountain roads, if I look yonder, we all going to be yonder dead. Amen. And so he said, I'll drive now if you get tired. I thought, there ain't no way I'm letting you drive up here. Oh, you two, you're so busy looking yonder, we'll all be dead in a, off a cliff somewhere if I let you drive. So, but he was so excited. And we went, when we left out of there one day, we'd been in that motel, you know, all day long. I was sitting there studying and working and so forth every day, five days, six days in that meeting. And uh, Brother Andy and I just sitting there, you know, going through the, through the day in the studies and so forth. And he'd sit there. He was a good traveling companion. He lets me study through the day and do what I need to do. And he'll nap a little bit and talk a little bit. And we'll pray a little bit. And he'll nap a little bit. We'll go eat lunch. he got to feed him. But if you'll feed him, he's a good traveling companion. And uh, he prays with me and helps take care of me and such. And carries my Bible and watches out for me. And if anybody says anything, you know, they just don't want to do that. They don't want to say nothing ugly about the preacher because he'll stand up for the preacher. He's a good traveling companion. I had to drive, but he's a good one. And we took one day when we went across, went up that Blue Ridge Parkway, and then went clear on to the other side of it, about 40 miles over to Luray Caverns. Now, I like to look at caves and such. I enjoy that. That's a point of interest for him. My children and I, we've, we've gone through bunches of them all over the place. Brother John and I have been through some Kentucky and Tennessee. And in Luray Caverns is maybe one of the most impressive ones that I've ever been into. To get in there, inside of that cave, they have cathedrals inside of it under the ground that you could stack ten school buses up in and not hit the ceiling of that cathedral. It's so high. I mean, they have flowstones up under there and stalagmites and stalactites. Some of y'all remember that from grammar school. The stalagmite grows from the ground up. The stalactite holds on tight to the ceiling and they might the might might reach the tight one day and when they do they come together and make a pillar and they had pillars in there and flow stones and uh, they had uh, columns of all sizes and they had installed a uh, had installed a uh, organ in there where they could play the organ off the stalactites hanging from the ceiling and they would hit the little electronic button and that thing would set off a series of uh, tones where they would send electronic pulses through the stalactites hanging from the ceiling and play songs like Jingle Bells and Amazing Grace and Nearer My God to Thee off the ceiling of that uh, cave. I mean, it's spectacular. I'll give you all one guess what Brother Randy said about 700 times while he was up under the ground. Oh, that's exactly right. Oh, oh. Every time I turn around, oh. I mean, it's like, and it was. It was all inspiring, but y'all know that's his word. And he pulling on my coattail. That's right. Oh, Brother Toby, oh. Look at that. Uh, oh, that's a, and it was. It was amazing. We took pictures all over the place and so forth. Uh, and uh, it, we had a great time. But when we went through there, we walked down this winding little path and it was tight and it was close. And it was single file line to get down into this thing and way on down up under there. And then when we got down in there, the tour guide began to tell us that the path you came down, if you'll look just to your right, you will see a little place about 16 inches high. And on that little place, 
it's about 16, it ranges between 12 and 16 inches, the widest spot, 16 inches. He said that is the original vein that they had to get access into this giant cave under the ground where all of this would be found. He said the original explorers that came in here, a couple of college kids, and it had to be college kids because after you get past about 25, you're too big to get through the hole. And he said uh, these uh, original college kids came through that vein and they traveled. I mean, it was like a quarter of a mile traveling like that, crawling in that little spot, anywhere from 12 to 16 inches high, uh, squirreling around in there uh, with a flashlight on their head. He told how many weeks that they spent digging with spoons and knives trying to find it. And all of a sudden they came to the mouth of this thing and boom, it all opened up under the ground and they found an entire world of unexplored, unexplored and unexplained and unexperienced beauty. But they had to crawl all that way by themselves before they could ever get there. And after they got there, they said, we got to share it with everybody. And then they began digging and digging and plowing and digging to make the way wider so others could come. And even now, it's just wide enough for one person at a time to walk beside that original path. Is anybody listening to what I'm preaching? You may be that one today that's just crawling along and it seems like the world is closing in and life has become a burden and you want to run but there's no place to hide. You're just squeezing through and you think it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter but there is a path. Keep crawling along. Don't give in. Don't give up. And don't quit crawling in your place. Some of these days you're going to strike at that last little bit of digging and the wall is going to open up and you're going to find an unexplored and unexplained and unexperienced world of beauty and of splendor. Oh, praise God. Don't be afraid to travel if you must travel all alone. Travel by yourself with only God by your side. It will open up. Most of life is not gigantic cathedrals and open hallways and flow stones and all of these things. Most of life is crawling. Most of life is struggling. Most of life is battling in between those experiences. The person is solitary. The purpose is solitary. In this path, God has a purpose. You cannot travel down this path with your own agenda. It's too tight. God wants to accomplish something in your life. And the most important thing on this path is for you to learn what that is God's wanting to put into your life. Verse 28, He said unto me, or, and unto man He said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Learn what God wants you to learn in this path. Find out what God is teaching you in your life and grab hold to it, embrace it, receive it gladly, eagerly seize upon it. God wants to accomplish something in your life. And Job talks of silver, gold, iron, and brass in verses 1 and 2. But only the heavenly miner knows what he's working in the path of your life. For one it may be silver. For another it may be gold. For another it may be jewels. For another it may be the ores of iron. And to make brass or to make iron or to make brass from. But whatever it is, God knows. You may not know until you find it. You may not know until the last time comes. For you it may just be darkness and digging. But God knows what vein you're in. God knows what path you're on. God knows what He's going to bring out of your life. Amen. The purpose is solitary. 
The price is solitary. Verse number 13. Man knoweth not the price thereof. Neither is it found in the land of the living. The whole time you're alive, you may never totally understand what it's really going to cost you or what it's cost in general. I'm going to mention two things in just a moment. What it costs to be in this path. There is one price and only God knows it. Listen to me this morning. You could not buy your way into this path. Verse number 15, it cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and crystal cannot equal it. The exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. You could not buy your way into this path and you wouldn't choose to try it anyway. Just a hole in the ground to anybody that doesn't know what's up under there. You didn't even know what was here. Until you went quite a ways down the path. You would have chosen the path well trodden. You would have been on the interstate highway. Just not I-20 because they're never going to quit working on it. You would have chosen the path well trodden. But God knew this path was for you. This underground path. This hidden passageway. This unknown path. God knew it was for you. And Jesus paid the fare for you to travel this road. And only God knows what it will cost you to walk down this road. For Job it cost him everything. But God doubled his investment in the end the Lord did not mine out he mined in the expense and the expanse of this path is beyond your understanding the price is solitary then finally this morning I'm finishing the path it's a hidden path it's a solitary path it is a protected path it's a protected path have I lost everybody yet are you with me is anybody listening to the preaching this morning it's a protected path For people that have never had problems in their Christian life, which means you probably haven't been saved but about 12 minutes. For people that have never had problems in your Christian life, this doesn't mean a whole lot what I'm preaching. But those of you who have felt like you're struggling and crawling in a tight space, you're in a tight spot. The world's closing in on you. You are getting to, if you're listening to me this morning, you may not be grabbing everything, but you're beginning to understand what I'm talking about. You've experienced it, but I'm telling you, as surely as that path is hidden, as surely as it is solitary, it is also protected. Crawling through a 12-inch spot, 16-inch spot. Listen, there ain't no room to run, but there can't nothing chase you either. It can't get to you. (laughs) Sometimes when you feel like the world's tightened in so much on you, that means there are no room for dangers. That means that, listen, what else are they going to take away from Job? Cattle already gone. Family already gone. Friends turned against him. Wife turned against him. He's buried all his children. Everything he owns is gone. His health is ruined. Only thing keeping him alive is the sheer will of God. He's down to a sack of bones. What else are you going to take away? He's got nothing left to lose. He's protected. He may be in a tight spot, but God guards and protects this path and those who walk in it. Job says in this path, I'm protected from fierce predators. In verse number 8, he says, The lion's whelps have not trodden it, nor the fierce lion passed by it. He said, whenever the predator is after me, he don't even know I'm here. He can't find me. I'm hidden in God's vein. Now the lion is not an accidental, an accidental, 
mental reference here. Do you remember the first part of the book of Job? I hadn't preached this, but if you may remember it. The first part of the book of Job, the sons of God come to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also comes with them. And he says, the Lord says to Satan, where have you been? He said, I've been to and fro throughout the earth looking for somebody to devour. That is what the devil does according to 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion goes to and fro throughout the earth seeking whom he may devour. That's who Satan is as it were a roaring lion. Job's not blind to that. Job knows that. Satan presents himself before the Lord twice that way. And God says, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Do you remember why Satan had not yet attacked Job? And God, Satan said, I would attack him, but you have a hedge built around him. You know what God did with Job? He's put him in a vein. He's put him in a path. And God never did remove the hedge from Job. He just drew it in tighter and tighter. And Satan took away everything around Job. But when the world was closing in and his life became a burden, he found there was nowhere to run and no place to hide. But there was nothing to hide from because the tighter and closer in that 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 hedge got around him, the less room there was for Satan to operate. And now it's just Job and God in that tight vein. And Job said, I'm in a dark place, but I know there's silver in here somewhere. I'm in a dark place, a deep place, but there's gold in here somewhere. There's a jewel in here for me. God is protecting me. I'm not going to die here. I'm going to thrive here. I'm coming up out of this valley. Going to lift my hands and praise the Lord. Ain't going to let old Satan get me down. Hallelujah. There is a protected path. The devil cannot get to me. The darkness of his path was not to destroy him, but it was to hide him in the cleft of the rock. Satan may be a roaring lion seeking to devour, but God never let him seek his teeth into Job. God hid Job's life in a path of safety. So let the storm waters roll. Amen. I'd drive me down to my knees, but that's as far as I'll go. Protected from fierce predators. This path is protected from fire. Look at verse number one. Surely there is a vein for the silver and a place for gold where they find it. He didn't say there was a place for gold where they find it, but find it. And I know we're in Harrelson County and we say both words the same. But they're not the same word. To find, F-I-N-E, the gold, means to put a fire to it, test it, burn out all the impurities, and be left with nothing but pure gold at the end. He said there's a place for the silver, there's a place for the gold, there's a place where there's fire put to it. But he said the gold and the silver does not get burned up because they are protected. Are you listening to me? This gold and silver is tested but protected. Job 23 and 10, you know what Job said about it? He said, but he knoweth the way that I take. He, they said there's a path. The Lord knows the path. He knows the way I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I'll not burn up in the fire but I'll be brought forth out of the fiery trial purified like gold that has been refined that has been fined amen God's not destroying me he's polishing me up he used me for his glory 
It's a protected path. Don't know how y'all feel about it or where you are in your life, but I found myself in that protected path. Found myself with God rubbing on me and shining me up and polishing me up. And sometimes I say, Lord, not so hard. You're knocking off rough edges. And he says, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. But when I get done with you, I won't take away anything of value. I'm just going to rub off all the rough places and the impurities and the bad things and the difficult things and the things that are pleasing to me. When I'm finished with you, you'll shine like God. Gold and silver. Hallelujah. Protected in the fire. I'm telling you, I'll never have to see the fires of hell because of the fire that's burning in my life. God protects me. Protected from the fire. Then this path is protected from famishing. Verse number five, he says, As for the earth, out of it cometh bread. I'm underground. All my oxen, cattle, goats, and sheep are dead. And I'm in a cave. But you know what? When I think about it, it ain't such a bad place to be because I'm just on the bottom side of the garden. Right above my head, the earth is producing food like a miracle. And the Lord is reaping where he hadn't even sown. And everything a person needs to, do, to survive is growing out of the ground that I'm in. And if a garden can grow out of it, I can grow out of it. And if a, if food can be produced out of this earth, then I can eat of it. And God will take care of it. Oh, look at what He says. He says in verse number 4, The flood breaketh out from the inhabitant. Even the waters forgotten of the foot. They are dried up. They are gone away from men. That verse seems so perplexing to me. Until, and I even left it out of my notes and wasn't even going to put it in the preaching. Because I thought I don't understand it and I'm not preaching something I don't understand. But this morning, sitting right over there in the Sunday school lesson, God give me understanding. So I'm going to share it with you. Job said there comes a time when those mighty waters swell up out of their banks. The rivers and the floods, and they just wash everything away. But he said then there comes a time that everybody forgets about them. All the water dries up. Maybe even drought comes. You look underfoot, and it's disappeared. But he said, I'm in a path that's under the ground. And under here, there's still water to drink. When we were in Luray Caverns, up under there, Brother Randy kept looking at that water. And he said, Reckon if that water's full of sulfur or something, Reckon it key. You, you think we could drink in that water? You think they'd let me dip my... I, I, I got something here. I could just get some of that water with. Reckon that water tastes good. I wonder how cold it is. I mean, on and on about that water. Reckon any fish could survive in that water. Oh, just on about, on about water and fish all the time. Finally, he asked the... Uh, Asked the uh, tour guide, says, can we get some of that water? Said, it'd be okay to drink so that that stuff kill you? She said, well, that's the best water in the world. So don't you understand all the way that water got here was it came through everything above you and said all the rocks and everything above you serve as natural filters. Said that is naturally filtered water. It's purified. Everything it went through has taken all the bad stuff out of it. It's pure. And when it lands finally in these pools up under the ground, said you couldn't find water any cleaner and purer than that. She said, I don't care if you drink all of it. You won't. Just don't make a mess. She said it wouldn't hurt you if you drunk a gallon of it. 
it. Drink all of it you want. It's pure water. You listening to me? He said those people above ground may be experiencing a drought, but this ground I'm in mean is going to grow food. This ground I'm in mean has got water to drink. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. God's going to feed me and take care of me. Hallelujah. The, word, the earth above ground where the bird flies over it may look like there's a drought, but down here I am. There's water to drink. The Lord has met my need. Hey, friend, God's looking out for you when you don't even know what He's doing. There is a path in your life. He'll keep you from famishing. I cannot explain it like a miracle. God will raise up bread for me from the earth, but I do believe it. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. He'll put water in the path. He'll put food in the path. It's protected me from famishing. And I'm finishing with this. That protected path. Protected from fear. Job 19 and 8. Job had said. He hath fenced up my way that I cannot pass. And he hath set darkness in my paths. Job 24 and 13. He said. They are of those that rebel against the light. They know not the ways thereof, nor abide in the paths thereof. Some folks are scared of the dark. Job even said, the thing which I have greatly feared has come upon me. He's in a dark place. But look what he says in verse number 3. This is a phrase you ought to go ahead and underline, boldface, italicize, and highlight. He setteth an end to darkness. He setteth an end to darkness. He setteth an end to darkness. I'm in such a dark place. This path is this path is a tight place as if it were a vein, a cave, a mine. It seems like the world is closing in on me, but God sets an end to the darkness. Job would say it's dark now, but God will set an end to it. It will not be dark forever. The sun will shine again. Proverbs 4 and 18 said, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. This path I'm on won't be dark forever. I'll pass through this place, even the valley of the shadow of death, but I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they protect me. Oh, I'm telling you, the sun's going to rise in the morning. I surely weep and endure it for night, for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. The light's going to shine again. You may be in the tightest, darkest place you've ever been, but let me assure you, God's going to spotlight the gold in your cavern. God's going to bring you out of that deep, dark place. God, if you will continue to follow His path, He's going to reward you for your faithfulness. And he'll cause the sun to shine on you again. Jeremiah 6 and 16. Come with a song please. The scripture says. Thus saith the Lord. Stand ye in the ways and see. And ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And you shall find rest for your souls. But they said we will not walk therein. What I'm asking you this morning, there is a path. What I'm asking you is, will you walk in it? Will you walk in it? Will you choose God's way? 
Will you yield to what God desires for your life and trust Him to bring forth the wealth of blessings that are found in it? Or will you follow the path of the wicked world off to destruction? I hope somehow today if I've been able to just mine in your life a little bit of what I've been preaching about that you'd understand there's a path. Some of you right now, if not now, at times in your life you've been here, are in a place where you're saying, I just cannot see a way. I can't see any way God's going to get glory out of this. I can't see any way forward. I can't see any way out. I can't see any way of what to do. Anybody ever said things like that, either out loud or in your heart? Job said, the bird can't see it flying over. The natural eye can't see it. But God knows where the vein is. Some of you might have to go below the bottom to get victory. He may have to take you deeper than where you've already been to bring you out richer than what you've always been. He may have to take away before he can give back. But the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away and blessed be the name of the Lord. There is a path this morning. There is a path. Oh, I could preach about that Holy Ghost path, that holy living path. So much I want to preach on, I can't get it all in one message. But I'm telling you today, if you want to walk with God, you can. There's a path. You think there's not a way forward? There's a way forward. You think you're not going to make it? God says, follow me, you're going to make it. You think you're all by yourself and you hear Him whispering your soul and said, nobody else may not be here, but I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. This morning, do you need to pray and seek the Lord? There is a path. There is a path. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Would you be obedient to the Lord? Some of you today are feeling around groping in darkness. Jesus talked about the world that groped in darkness, but they have seen a great light. You're looking for a way forward, but God says there's a path. You think your way is unproductive, but God says it's a it's a vein of silver. It's a mine of gold. It's a cave filled with jewels. You think it's dark, but God's going to set an end to the darkness. Folks in the building this morning need to pray. I don't know what path you're on, but if you're not following the Lord, you're on the wrong one. Sing for us when you're ready. Be obedient to the Lord here today. I pray I've not bored you in any way. I've tried to challenge you from the word of the Lord this morning. I'd ask you to be obedient to God. Let God speak to your heart. Something beautiful. That's what the Lord wants to do in your life. Something good. The fowl flies over and at a bird's eye view. He cannot see it. God has a But he made something beautiful, beautiful of my life. The fires may burn, but they'll not burn me up. They're refining me to make something me more pleasing to God. Beautiful, something it's like silver and gold. It's being fired and refined. Being tried and tested. God's going to do something big in my life. All I have to offer him. 
gotta keep crawling. And strife, gotta keep but he made something beautiful. But he made something Just keep following the path Beautiful of my life I'm safe in it I'm sheltered in it Something I'll just beautiful Something God will honor good. it God will honor All it. my confusion oh my. He understood Yes, he But he made something, something beautiful of my life. I want us to pray together this morning. There's people all in our midst, people across the pews from you and me that they probably have battles you don't even know about. Before church this morning, I taught people sick, some cancer, some folks expecting a loved one to pass away at this time or that time, people in the church, out of the church. Put your mom in the nursing home, worried about children and grandchildren, spouse and friends. I mean, life's full of that stuff. You don't know maybe all of what's going through a person's heart and mind sitting across the pew from you. They don't tell it what kind of battles they have. But I'm telling you, for all of us, there's a path. You are not at the end. There is a path. And you can make it. And it will be worth it. We need to pray with and for one another, the scripture says. Let's do that. Precious Lord and Heavenly Father, I am so grateful for those precious words you gave me from that one verse. There is a path. I'm so thankful for this truth in your word, for how you've stirred it in my heart today. I'm so grateful, Lord, for the mine of blessings that you gave us in this chapter. I pray, Lord, that today you would help us to see the jewels, the gold, the silver, instead of the struggle of the way. Help us to recognize the protection in the tight places. Help us, Lord, to realize that we're in the fertile place if we're underground. Help us, Lord, to see the water that you've provided, the provisions that you've given Lord, I pray that when folks all around us, again, that phrase in my mind, are seeing the world closing in and life becoming a burden, I pray you'd roll them over the tide. I ask you, Lord, that you'd help this morning for every person in our midst that's struggling. I pray for every burden that they'd be relieved. I ask you, Lord, that you would see fit to help people to know what their path is, to see their way forward, to know exactly what you want to accomplish in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you do in us and for us and through us, for who you are, for what you do. Lord, I pray you'd bless our fellowship. I ask you, Lord, that you'd help us to be a blessing to one another. Be a witness to those that don't know you. Forgive us of our sins, I pray, and help us to be for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Take some time to fellowship. Don't get in a hurry. Unless you just have to. Be dismissed. Don't get in any hurry this morning. Stay around as long as you need to, want to.